Welcome to the St. Andrews Community Live Interactive Podcast. Thank you for tuning in with us today. And now for your hosts, for your spiritual hour of power, Pastors D.A. Bennett and Josh Coates. Well, good afternoon, friends. We're so glad to be able to have our podcast today. For those of you that are watching live, we do say if you have questions, if you have comments, by all means, send those in so we can uh, deal with the things that you're interested in instead of just the things that Josh and I are interested in. Uh, if you're watching this uh, on demand, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, I'm D.A. Bennett. This is Josh Coates, and we are nothing without the man behind the scenes who has all the power for this hour of power. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing real good. How are you guys? Okay, so the, the the nice answer is oh yeah, we're doing good too, but the reality is we're dragging folks. Yeah. We we we're we're barely hanging in there. Tired right and now. and as we opened, I think I had a deer in the headlights look on my face because I forgot to look at who was opening this week. And when that thing when the intro was over, I was like is it me or is it DA? And <laughs> thankfully, you took took over and you knew who was starting. But I had a brief moment of, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. We, and, and the reason we're kind of dragging is uh, our church secretary, Tara Roberts, is I think as many of you know, she is certainly proud of her Native American heritage, and we love that. We're learning from her, and she's getting ready to take a journey. So she sent us a text last week, and she said, you know, in in Native American tradition, whenever you're getting ready to take a journey, you sit down as a family and have a meal and. And how would y'all like to sit down and have a meal with me? So she made the fry bread. I brought the taco meat. Uh, other people brought what you know they they wanted to and could. And we just had this wonderful lunch. So now <laughs> we're just kind of slugging down. Well, we're ready to. And uh, I was tired before that because the older I get, the more of an impact daylight savings has on me. And it's only one hour, and it sounds ridiculous, but I've been so tired since Sunday. And I should have more energy. I, I should have gotten an extra hour of sleep, but it is, it's thrown me off. So I'm dragging for sure. Okay, I'm sure some of you watching are like me, that when he talks about I'm getting old, you're thinking Jeff needs to push no, the button I of didn't a baby say old. I said older. older. <laughs> There's a difference. So we're all getting older. We're, yeah, we don't have any other options, <laughs> really. I mean, either grow older or you don't. So, well, gosh, enough of that foolishness, friends. We are in a new sermon series. I started this last Sunday because we are in a new time and period for our church. And in thinking through our theme of the year as being create and thinking through the decision we have made as a congregation to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. But this past Sunday, we took a vote to seek affiliation in the global Methodist Church. Uh, and so the question is, uh, what does our future look like as a church? That When our discernment team was making a recommendation to administrative council, the question that they were really trying to discern is, what is the best future for our church? And the church has made that decision, but is there something new that we need to create as part of our, our future? And so uh, sometimes a, a future starts with a dream or a vision that we have. It, it gets into what task is it going to take, uh, and then you know, the third week, Josh is going to be preaching on, you know, the, the need we have to really focus on the word. Yeah. Not, not that we ever lose focus on it, but sometimes we have to shift mm -hmm. our, our focus on it. And so if God is calling us to this new future, what are God's plans? I mean, that's just something that we would want to know. So what is the dream? 
What is the vision? Now, one thing that I didn't say Sunday that I would want everybody to know, because I was talking about dreams, looking at the prophet Joel, who said your old men will dream dreams, but it also said your young men will see visions. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I mean, there's something in there for everybody. But some people came up to me afterwards and they said, well, you know, I had this dream. Well, you know, it wasn't really a dream. It was, you know, it was just kind of a flash. It was more like a vision. And one of the things that I would share with you is biblically dreams and visions are often interpreted as the same thing. And they're words that mean to see. And so if God is creating a future for us, what is God showing us about this future. And this last Sunday, I chose to uh, think about dreams. I mean, there's a lot of examples in the Bible of people who had dreams and God communicated right. to them in dreams. Um, and, it, and it was not always a good dream. I came away Sunday morning feeling really, feeling really good because I haven't had any dreams yet. And so I'm like, I guess I'm not an old man yet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he is rubbing it in now. Cause I, 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 I'm getting visions, man. You're having... <laughs> Visions of sugar plums are dancing right, in your head as we right. approach the season of, of Advent. Well, what, you know, if someone were to come up to you, you know, just someone off the street, and they were to say, do you think God speaks to people in dreams? What would you say? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's too many stories out there throughout history of that being the case. I mean, some of my favorite stories are Muslims and countries and places where they've had no exposure to the gospel and they've met Jesus in dreams yeah. and became Christians, became followers of Christ through those dreams. So um, those are some of my favorite stories and talking with missionaries and, and reading and hearing about those. So I just think there's, there's too much evidence of it, not only in scripture, but in modern times for that not to be the case. So while I haven't uh, at least that I'm aware of or that I remember. I haven't had any dreams where I, I woke up and, and felt like it was God speaking to me. Um, and, uh, and then it later came true, um, similar to, to you know what yours, uh, your dream was. Mm-hmm. I haven't had any of those experiences. I have at times felt God speaking to me. It's just in other ways. It, it hasn't happened while I was sleeping. One of, and, and, and that's where the whole idea of dream and vision being the same thing, I right. think, is helpful. You may not have been you know, unconscious in your rapid eye movement sleep, but it doesn't mean God hasn't showed something or some kind of revelation for what God wants from you and what God anticipates that you need to know. Um, I think one of the things that I take out of when I think of dreams, of course, you know, I said the first person I think of is Jacob, which is true, but I only really think of Joseph, his his son, more than I think of the patriarch yeah. Jacob. And the dreams he had, two dreams, actually, where his family was going to submit to his authority. And, yeah, that was scandalous for him to be able to tell that. For the youngest son? Well, actually, he wouldn't have been the youngest but, right. son because Benjamin was younger. Right. But, uh, yeah, the, he was number Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Of of twelve. And so that that would have been scandalous. And of course his father didn't respond well. Um but he was also his father's favorite. Because you know, when I teach this in preschool I teach it differently than I do for adults. But he was the favorite because he was the firstborn son of his favorite wife. Right. And the interesting thing is the dream that Joseph had was not fulfilled for years. Yeah. I mean, it was a long time. You know, I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, maybe I, I'm just, I don't know this for example or, or for 
exact measure because I, I've not ever, I don't remember ever hearing a specific. I've always thought that Joseph was probably about 12 years old, maybe 13, 14 when he had these dreams. He, he, was, he was old enough to know he was going to get in trouble <laughs> sharing these right. dreams, old enough to have kind of a healthy ego about the thing, but he wasn't old enough to really understand it. But when those dreams come true, Joseph is a married man, and he now has children of his own. So even though God gave him the dream, and we can look back and see how all that happened, the dream didn't you know, just immediately happen. It took time for God to line up all the pieces and places. And in pursuit of that dream, it didn't all happen the way Joseph probably would have wanted it to happen. You know, he didn't, uh, you know, so I have a dream and all y'all going bow down to me. So what do his brothers do? Sell him into slavery. Right. <laughs> and when, after, well, they wanted to kill him. Yeah, they Th- did want to kill him. Th- thankfully, uh, I don't remember which brother it was. Maybe the oldest one was yeah. kind of feeling bad about I think it. it was Reuben or Simeon, yeah. one of the F- two. Feeling kind of bad about it. It was like, hey, instead of killing him, let's just uh, sell him into slavery. Yeah, break a little money off this. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then, you know, he's slow, sold as a slave to Potiphar. And I think Potiphar was like an Egyptian general or, or something like that. Uh, and he rises to fame, you know. As a slave, and then he gets thrown in prison because of a false accusation of sexual assault. Uh, and then while he's in prison, again, God's raising him up so that people know him. Uh, it it certainly was not the route from A to B that we would hope to take. And, and right. yeah, for, for our church, one of the, the things that I have to think about, and, and I've, I've talked to other people about this too, is we're clear. We're 100% sure what God is calling us to. It's not going to be easy. Right. And it's not going to happen probably in the way we expect or want it to, or even in the timeliness that we hope for. Uh, right. It, God's timing is perfect, but sometimes we have to wait. And that's hard. I, I was visiting with a good friend of mine and he said, you know, you've just got to persevere. He goes, next year's probably going to be a tough year for your church. He goes, but you're going to look back on it in a couple of years. And that's all you're going to think is, wow, that was a tough time. But there's going to be joy that comes out on the other side as God pursues the dream. And part of what I did in the Sermon Sunday, for those of you that have listened to it, is, is I shared a dream that I had back in January uh, about what I think God was going to do in our church. Now that these things are happening, the dream makes a lot more sense to me. Um, But what I ask the listeners that were in worship on Sunday to do is to discern. I'm going to tell you what this dream is. I honestly believe the dream was from God. Other people, you know, I ask them, I want people to decide, was this dream from God or not? And so the first way to know if God is speaking us to a dream is really pretty easy. <laughs> Does a dream come true? Right. And with Joseph, once again, it was a situation. Well, yeah, the dream came through, but it may have been. I mean, it may, 20 may have been years. twenty, thirty years yeah. later. And yeah. so um, sometimes that confirmation doesn't come for a really long time. And and so yeah, my hope is we don't have to wait that long to, <laughs> to know if the the dream that I believe God shared with me is a dream that's going to come true for our church. Um, the second way though, and, and I believe this is true, not just about dreams, but I believe this is true. Anytime we believe God is calling us to something is God will communicate this through other believers, through the body of, of Christ. And, you know, the, the example I think of first in that, you know, I I think about it for myself. I would think about it for you also is, um, 
you know, when we're called to ministry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I thought that was a, a great example um, that you brought up when someone feels called to the ministry, they don't just say, all right, great. Here, uh, next Sunday, you're at, you know, there's your new church. Right. Um, there is a process that you go through and it's all about affirming and confirming what you are feeling that call is. And you go through interviews and you're writing papers and you're going through this whole discernment process where you're discerning and others and 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 hopefully th- that call is is confirmed. And you know, in in our tradition, which you know, again, we're we're moving into a new future. But I think this part of our tradition is is so critical. Is the first people when I was called into ministry, uh, you know, I mean, it's like when I was finally willing to admit that and think people aren't going to laugh at me or I could talk about it out loud without feeling strange. Uh, one of the first people I told was the pastor of my church. And I remember we were getting ready to have basketball practice, and he came up and he handed me a book of discipline and said, here, you need to read these parts. meant absolutely nothing to me, (laughs) but it it was laying out, here's the process you're going to follow. And the first process was I had to go before my church, people that knew me, people that had – you know, some sense of who I was in a relationship with me. And the church was the first person or the first group of people that said, okay, yeah, we believe God could be calling you to minister. It wasn't like God is calling you. It's right. We believe God could be calling you. And so then had to go through a little bit of a process. I just began to pursue it because I was convinced that's what God was calling me to do. But after my local church did it, then it got bumped up to a cluster of churches where I had to sit down and they had to say, yes, we believe God is calling you. Uh, and then when I graduated from seminary and I'm applying to become a member of the conference, then I have to go to the next level. I think all along the way, God is confirming things. And I think it's so important that we know that. So, um, I mean, what was your experience like with all that? Yeah, I mean, very similar. Um, I, I kind of ran from my call for five years uh, when I first started sensing that call as a junior in high school. And it was really Brad Humphrey at the Wesley and mm-hmm. my time at OU that really helped me kind of discern through that. And, and it was really my time at the end at OU before I finally said, you know, God made it abundantly clear that. You, know, you can take any of these other paths, but that's not the path that I have for you. And I finally surrendered. But, um, but, but, but once you surrendered, it, it started that process. Yeah, and it was a long process. So I didn't go into uh, ordained ministry for, let's see here, 2003 is when I went into ministry, and I was ordained in 2020. Um, so it was a long process for many, many years serving in, in various roles in the church, um, as a as a lay person um, and um, starting the the process once and then when I moved I, I stopped the process and then when I finally went to Asbury in 2013 I started the process back up because of Tom talking to me and saying hey I'll I'll pay for seminary if if you know I sense that that's where God's leading you and and at that point I, I started the process back up and got to meet with Dick Reed on a regular basis who was a pastor at, at Asbury and Yeah, Dick and I um, went to seminary together. <laughs> yeah, and went I mean went through that process with the the um you know board of ordained ministry and and all of that. So my my path is a little bit different, but there were, you know, definitely multiple times throughout where things were being confirmed. Question I have for you is um what about the times when it is, God is speaking and you don't get that confirmation from those around you. 
So if I understand the question right, question number one is, does that mean God wasn't speaking to me? Right. And and I think we have to, oh, that's a very real possibility is I think sometimes people are very sincere about their faith. They're sincere about their relationship with Christ. And maybe they hear other people saying, you know, God spoke to me, God talked to me. And, and we want that experience too. And, and Jesus even said, you know, I'm the good shepherd. You're my sheep. My sheep know my voice. And so we want to hear the voice of God. We want him to talk to us. And sometimes our own internal drive can be such that we want to hear God so badly that we begin to think we hear from God. And I would still say, and and it depends on what it is. Yeah. What if you are hearing from God but haven't gotten that confirmation yet? I would still live in pursuit right. of that, but I would not feel comfortable until I got it. And I can actually give you an example of that. Okay. <laughs> so um, when Robin and I were dating, I had gotten to the, the place in our relationship where this is either going to be the woman I marry, or it's time for us to get on down the road and quit fooling ourselves. And, you know, I had prayed, God, I just wish you'd let me know if it's your will for Robin and I to get married. And I had pushed on that for a while. I wasn't pushing on it anymore. I knew how I felt. I knew what I wanted, but I was just going to trust God. And I had a dream one night. (laughs) And this is one of the dreams that I had was I had a dream that uh, Robin and I were going to get married. And so... You know, you wake up from the dream and you're like, wow, I want this so badly. That's what I'm dreaming Mm -hmm. now. And out of the blue, completely unexpected, completely unannounced, I was in Tulsa. Robin was in Oklahoma City. I was sitting down in a cafeteria at ORU just visiting with some buddies. And a guy comes up. He said, hey, man, Robin's upstairs. And I'm like, Dude, don't play with me like that. He goes, no, I promise. He goes, she's upstairs. And I'm like, Dave, if she is not upstairs, I am going to kick your butt. You know, <laughs> I was going to be mad. He goes, if, if she is not up there, you can. <laughs> and well, I, I went up there and Robin was there. And I, I really felt like God was saying, you know, if this is a woman you want to marry, I, you know, ask her to marry you. And now, fast forward, we get engaged. I, you know, I pursued what I believed God had said. But I was uncomfortable because I didn't have confirmation. Now, in some sense, you could say, well, yeah, you had confirmation. You said, I believe God's calling us to get married, uh, and she agreed. I mean, I I think sometimes it happens that way. But who I was at that time and where I was, that that wasn't going to work for me. I needed confirmation. I had a a bunch of friends, and we're sitting in my mother's house. And one night I told them, I said, yeah, I said, uh, you know, I had this dream uh, and, you know, that Robin and I got married. And I described the dream in detail. And one of my friends, a girl who uh, had had a big crush on me in college, said, you know, we were sitting in church one night. And I don't know what happened. She goes, I just kind of blanked out. And I had this vision, and it was a dream you just told me. Wow. And so in in that sense, I got confirmation. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I, I lived in pursuit of what I believe God was calling me to do, but I was looking for other people to bless that and say, yes, God is doing this. That's a good word life. because I think sometimes, sometimes uh, I love the word of in pursuit of because sometimes when we feel called to something, God has spoken to us, we can almost be frozen and not pursue it and looking for confirmation. Uh-huh. And I, I love that idea of look for the confirmation, but begin pursuing that 
until you get confirmation one way or the other and you need to change course. So I love that because we can we can sometimes not pursue what God's calling us to because we're we're sitting back waiting for that confirmation. And I, I love that idea of being open and looking for the confirmation as we're pursuing it. And and that's where we are as a church right now. Yeah. I mean, we we are pursuing a future in the global Methodist church. But we it, just because we voted to do that doesn't mean it happens. You know, sent in the paperwork just this morning for our application for that. Uh, I think they will receive that. I think they will confirm, yes, you know, this is what God is calling your church to do. It doesn't hurt that 100% of the people that voted on that said, absolutely, we believe God is calling us to do this. But we were living in pursuit of this. Uh, and, you know, People ask me, what are you, what are you going to do if the congregation votes? No, we don't think we're ready to join the GMC. Well, fortunately, I don't have to think about that. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I find myself saying, if that had happened, I would not have given up on pursuing it. I just would have pursued it differently. Yeah. You know, I would have been saying, okay, God, I didn't see this one coming. I didn't expect this. We believe you put this dream before us. Our congregation's not there. Perhaps there's more work God is trying to do to get us to be of one heart and, and one mind. Yeah, I think that's a good word. Yeah, we're definitely in that in that season that you're you're talking about of pursuing something and looking for all the signs of confirmation. Uh, there's a lot of signs pointing to it, but we're waiting for that one final sign of yes, you've been received. <laughs> you've been received, and you know, in, in the midst of that, here, here's another example of how we lived in pursuit of that. We knew the church was going to vote. But the Oklahoma Conference of the United Methodist Church was saying to me and you, we got to know what you, y'all are going to do. Right. And the only thing we could really say is we intend to stay here at St. Andrews. You know, we didn't say, oh, well, this is what we're going to do. We had to pursue that. And, yeah. you know, if you weren't there Sunday night and you haven't heard, Josh is now ordained in the Global Methodist Church. Are they sending you a certificate? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have not yet gotten the official word. <laughs> <laughs> that that I've been accepted. Uh, I think they look at Josh and they go, hey, we need these young but growing older pastors to <laughs> come in and start doing things. And they look at me and say, well, you know, the guy's only got a little bit of tank, you know, gas left in the tank. I, I guess we can take him to get the young guy. You know? uh, I, I just think that uh, you weren't as diligent in texting and bothering them every morning as I was. <laughs> didn't, didn't pursue it as hard as you were pursuing it. There you go. I, I was pursuing it pretty hard every day for a week until they finally said all right fine here's the here's the information yeah and so anyhow you can tell we have a lot of fun talking about this and doing this and uh, i i anticipate getting something in the mail this week but i also anticipated i would get it last week and the and week, the week before, before <laughs> so you know I, I guess i'm not nearly as uh persistent <laughs> one of the things we know friends is is god is calling this church and and not this building but this church we as people to a new future. And we know that some people did not agree with that. They, they did not buy into the vision that our discernment team and our church leadership had. Uh, most of them did not know anything about the dream I shared in Sunday sermon. Although if they did, they may have said, wow, he really is off his meds. I don't, I don't know how they would have responded. Um, uh, and most of the feedback that I received Sunday was people saying, we, we think this is the direction God is calling. And mo most people have affirmed that. You know, I had friends that confirmed that. Uh, and again, I'm still trying to make sense out of their interpretation. At least one member of our church texted me after church and gave me a lengthy 
interpretation of what they believed wow. the dream was. Um, and, and a lot of the dream and a lot of what we believe God is doing is God is kind of, I, I don't want to say pruning us, you know, I mean that, that may be, but, but God is cleaning out some stuff in our church and, yeah. you know, we're, we're trying to put in place some structures that may not bear the immediate fruit we want, but we are confident that long-term this is what's going to help us be more effective in our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's what I closed the sermon with Sunday. Of course, it led us into celebrating the Lord's Supper. But um, our our mission is making disciples. And because of the denominational stuff, we've been distracted from that. But we believe the whole world is filled with people that need to hear the good news, that even though we're sinners, Christ died for us to pay the penalty of our sin, and Christ rose from the dead so that we might be raised to new life. That is part of the well, exciting message of the gospel. And as I look at it all, that that is a driving force, I believe, as to why we felt like we needed to disaffiliate and align and affiliate with the Global Methodist Church. Part of it is because our vision, St. Andrew's vision for what the church is and who we are and what our mission is, is competing with, I think, the direction we see the United Methodist Church going over the last few decades and and especially after last week yeah Yeah. and so for me this vote was us deciding that we wanted to remain who we've been right um and i think the the most clear path forward for saint andrews to remain who we've been for 29 plus years now is to separate from the united methodist church and affiliate with the global methodist church because the visions align and it's going to allow us to make disciples and and not have the the uh the muddy waters of well we believe this but our denominations move in this direction mm-hmm. it, it was just it was nothing was clear and it, so this gives us away clarity. the clouds yeah that, yeah that, and that was one of the things i said sunday night we believe this move helps us to have clarity yeah uh that our church has not always had because of our association with other churches so Good Sunday. Looking forward to this Sunday's message on creating our future and are there things we can do to help make this happen? Yeah, you're shifting to tasks this week. Yep. And then the following week, I'll close out uh, before Advent. I'll close out and we'll be looking at uh, the Word of God and how it's played such an important role in the life of this church and how it will continue to play an important role and why moving forward as we're looking at our future. So we uh, thank you guys for joining us again this week for our um, Taco Tuesday. Tuesday. We did have edition. a Taco Tuesday. Yeah, Taco Tuesday oh, yeah. edition of our podcast. Um, hope you can join us on Sunday mornings. We have three services at 815, 930, and 1050. Uh, the 815 is more of a traditional service, and the 815 and 1050 services are live streamed as well as on demand online. And so I uh, hope you can join us at one of those, either in person or online. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to seeing you all again next Tuesday for another podcast. You guys have a great Tuesday afternoon.